Hello and welcome to Drop Bar Texas, a cycling podcast about riding and racing in Texas. It is July 9th when I'm sitting here recording this intro. And I don't know about you, but this feels like the pandemic that just does not end. I'm still hopeful, though, that things will return to normal. But I do ask often, when? When will that be? Due to the current state of the state, cycling remains affected in the following ways. Large official group rides are on hiatus. The driveway series is back on pause again. Fair Park Crit Series, uh, which was supposed to start up again this month, uh, is back on temporary suspension. But even after considering that, there are several things to look forward to on the horizon. Small group rides can still happen with friends. There's the Far West Hill Climb Challenge by the driveway. Uh, that's being run through Strava. And that's uh, July 1st through July 31st. July 17th is the long, hard, and dirty point-to-point adventure race. Uh, that looks like it's still being put on by Spinistry. July 25th, there's the Bull Grind Gravel Race, which is, uh, at this at the time of this, is still appears to be a go. They're monitoring the situation, though. August 29th is the 24 Hours in the Canyon, uh, which takes place in the Palo Duro Canyon State Park. And that still appears to be on at this point as well. So those are some items you can look forward to and you can look look up. But also, if you plan on being in Alabama, there is the Central Alabama Summer Crit Series by Top Few Sports in July and August. Alex Montoya, who also promotes the Davy Crockett Classic, uh, which takes place in Texas, usually in February, um, he joined me by Zoom to talk about the challenges to organizers from the pandemic um, and his new race series uh, there in Alabama. Maybe maybe actually we start with um, just kind of what what uh, what that's done to your races and what you've got coming up. And then, and then what you're doing to, uh, I guess, what new. I thought my video was working. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. Okay. Well, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, things have been kind of changing up until I think about a month ago or so we didn't really have much information like we thought USAC was just going to kind of pull the plug on everything for the time being. And so we were Mm -hmm. actually pretty, pretty surprised that they allowed anything to go forward at all terms of permitting and letting us do anything mm-hmm. and it's definitely changed stuff i mean the public officials and venues and everything and, and people that we're working with seem to be a lot more cautious they're not scared like i, I wouldn't say that anyone i've dealt with is like well we really we can't risk it like no one's freaking out about it but they're like okay well we got to make sure you guys are like you know people are doing something out there right. to mm-hmm. mitigate the risk of it spreading and so you know, we do have to have masks. Like I know there's a mask order for my race coming up this weekend and I have a race series here in Birmingham. <clears throat> and so we have, uh, you know, everyone not on the bike racing has to wear a mask. And so if they don't have a mask, I have to provide a mask. And so, you know, that's an expense that I had to come out of pocket. I had to buy it. I only bought a hundred this go around, but I'll probably run out after the second race or so. So we have to buy that, you know, we have to buy hand sanitizer, we have to buy, um, you know, the spray stuff, like uh, Lysol disinfectant spray. Um, I mean, nothing insane, but it's just extra work, you know, like we have to get people to sign their waivers before they come. We have to put all the tape on the ground for the lines. People are six feet apart. And one thing I have to do, and so I'm kind of trying to go a little bit above what's necessary so you know those white cyclocross stakes they use um, um to mark cross courses and everything just the oh, yeah. yard stakes that they tape on mm-hmm. so what i'm doing to because i noticed that the last race we did we you know we told everyone to do social distancing but like nobody was listening to us at all and like we would say something and they would just do it anyways so what i'm, I'm doing is i'm using those stakes and i'm putting them six feet apart all around the finishing venue so that we can be like, hey, they're all six feet apart. Like each group needs to be at their own stake. And so that way we can know and definitively say, be like, yes, that's there in the correct spot. And if we see them and they're not at the stake, we can be like, hey, you need to 
find your stake or something, you know? Right. So <clears throat> we have, with these venues, I don't have porta potties, so I haven't had to really mess with that stuff. We have indoor bathrooms with showers and sinks and soap and paper towels and everything. So that's not really a concern, but I know the race in Georgia, we had to spend the extra dollars to get, you know, hand washing stations and stuff like that and more porta potties because we said less people would use them. So that was mm-hmm. definitely an extra expense for our company. So, I mean, there's definitely, it's just time, some small expenses that are being required and it's nothing horrible as, you know, it's just something extra that we have to do to deal with kind of what we're doing and, you know, yeah. we're the ones wanting to do a race and, you know, we're, we are out there as a business. So, you know, if we're going to provide the service and do this for people, then like we have to make sure we're doing our part too. We can't just go out there and say like, you know, whatever, and we don't give a crap and then have people get sick and then have a problem. But one thing I will say that we did tour of North Georgia, like my partner, that's our company. And we got ripped in this guy's report that sent out by USA cycling. that has been all over social media and stuff because, um, there were some pictures posted where people weren't wearing masks and weren't really following some of the guidelines. And we got, and, um, you know, some people were really unhappy with that. Uh, people who didn't even attend the race, they, you know, they kind of used us as an example of like, Hey, these organizers aren't going to follow the rules. And so, um, after seeing that I'm like, okay, well at this race I'm doing pretty soon, I'm going to have to be like really, actually pretty serious about enforcing the stuff and if people aren't following the rules i I have to ask them to leave so um you know i have to actually hold a hard line on that stuff and um and stick to it because if i go to the first race and i seem pretty lax and i don't care no one's going to follow the rules and then we could potentially lose a venue or you know if we don't follow the rules usa cycling could pull our permit or something which you know i don't want any of that to happen so um, and, and that was at the, at the end of June, right? So, did, did I mean, did yeah, y'all that see was the uh, last week of June? Okay. Did, I mean, did y'all see any um, like reduced? Uh, I guess what was spectator spectatorship like at, at the event? Was did it was it down or did or or did you still see a pretty good turnout from it? Or well, the turnout. So we had to limit the field sizes to fifty per field, mm-hmm. and we sold it out. So. Um, we had to limit it to 250 racers. It was like five fields, but then, you know, of course there was a couple of combos inside those fields and, um, we had all of them sell out and we had 20 racers from 26 different States and we had people fly a team fly in from California. We had people come from like Wisconsin, New Jersey. I mean, you name it, be all over the Southeast. I mean, but the race was in um, Habersham County, which is up in north, the North Georgia mountains, pretty close to the uh, the North or South Carolina border, up near the Carolina border, mm-hmm. and um, so it's pretty out there. There's not really much of a population center. The biggest city out there, I think, is like Clarksville or DeMorest or something like that. So there's not much there, and so there's not like a bunch of spectators. I mean, the spectators were other racers at the event who weren't racing, and they were just watching the race. And so that was really the only the photos that you they posted on that thing that went around the internet. There was it looked like there was all these people watching, but they took photos of the feed zone when the racers mm, were going. Past, and yeah. All these people standing there doing a feed, so it's not like they were they kind of took the photo almost out of context because it was like, Oh, all these people were standing around, not social distancing, not wearing masks. And it's like, well, they were standing there because of the feed zone. They weren't standing there hanging out spectating. And so right. it kind of like made it look worse than it really was. And, you know, I was there all day. I worked all through, you know, I worked Friday night all the way through the conclusion Sunday. So, I mean, I saw everything and there was never, that was the only point where there was actually like a people, you know, watching like that. So it was was frustrating to see our company's reputation get tarnished slightly of like that when Mm -hmm. it wasn't really the true story of what was happening. So, yeah, I mean, on the amateur side, I mean, I think of like the, where the spectators typically are and it's, and 
it's going to be in the feed zone. And like you said, that's not really spectators on a road race. It's, you know, there are other team members doing hand ups or, uh, or your volunteers doing neutral hand ups and what have you. And then, and then at the finish line and outside of that on a, on an amateur race, I mean, there's not usually a lot out on the road, you know, itself. Um, yeah, so, so that's, um, yeah, that's interesting that that would, uh, unfortunately, I guess that, that that would be taken out of context like that. Um, but I mean, do you have to like think about like is, does the feed zone have to be longer to enable social distancing for for That's the event? One thing we need to figure out too that I think is being addressed for the next one because you know there's a tour of North Georgia Part Two coming up mm-hmm. in like three weeks, and it has a couple different courses, but. I mean, that's one thing that we have to kind of figure out is how can we do this again and do it better and make sure that we're following the rules and not concerning people who are concerned about the virus spreading and and doing our part. So I think that at the next one, I'll need to talk to my partner because he's, I think he's already been talking with USA Cycling about it a little bit, but I need to kind of see what he's thinking. I had a cool idea that what I want to do is have like, one or two guys make like a shirt that looks like one of those police shirts, you know, where it's like dark blue with the yellow lettering and have it make it say like COVID enforcement or something <laughs> yeah. and have them like go around and just kind of be like, you know, the the police or the enforcement and be like, Hey, y'all aren't wearing your masks. Or like, Hey, you know, like y'all need to make sure you stay apart. And that way we can at least like, the problem was that like, it was a big, bigger race and we brought the full, Cool setup was it was a four stage omnium event which is logistically fairly challenging to produce and so we had like i think a team of eight and that's like timers and registration people who are trained event staff doesn't you know they're not like random volunteers and stuff and so we had like the full crew all the trailers all the vehicles all the barricades trusses we had like the full setup and so we we were pressed enough just to get it all done from the production side that it was hard to focus and put that extra effort towards enforcing the COVID rules as well. I think that was part of the challenge is like maybe we need to dedicate an extra person or two solely to that side of it to make sure we're following the rules because just producing the event is hard enough. So um, that's one thing that we have to look at and, you know, going forward, we'll, you know, it's just extra stuff. It's not anything that's that much harder. It's just, different it's just more more stuff to do so yeah and, it's, and it seems uh that um i guess organizers have just in a few that i've talked to you know you're having to be i guess more intentional too about uh some of these things you know like the pre-registration like some of these things i mean you know i think uh promoters have been asking for writers to do more in any way, like pre-reg, you know, and, and, and it, and it just, it, you know, it works out better for, you know, in terms of the, the reducing the, the, the contact uh, before the event, but then it also helps you guys cause y'all can better plan. Um, I think in the end, you know, as far as like, who's, who, who's going to be there, how many people are going to be there and what have you. And um, you know, maybe that'll be a turning point point for racers that I know we're, we're notorious for, you know, waiting till the last possible day to, to sign up and things like that. So. Well, I'm really glad you actually brought that up because that was one thing my partner Tim and I were talking about the other day was so in Atlanta and we experienced this issue in Houston, uh, you know, no jab of the Houston racers or Texas or anything, Mm -hmm. but so Atlanta is notoriously, bad about pre-registering so like they all wait or they just show up day of and that's just how it's been for years and so um this race has kind of forced everybody to be like oh like that because pretty much everyone from that last tour of north georgia like there was almost no georgia racers in it because they all waited to register and it was sold out the pro mm-hmm. one two race yeah. sold out in three days so like right. they none of them got spots and a lot of them didn't get into the second one either so <laughs> it's kind of like okay now they have to take a step back and be like oh okay like we actually have to consider registering early or signing up now because like we can't race if we don't and so that won't always be the case but we're hoping that that kind of maybe pushes people a little bit because Mm -hmm. it really does affect how we can produce an event because if i look at pre-registration for an event and i see it's 100 people 
that means that like I'm, you know, based on what our expenses are, I may not have enough to hire or bring in an extra person or two for staffing. You know, I may not have the expense I need to bring an extra vehicle. And then all of a sudden, if 300 people show up, then, you know, I'm understaffed and now I needed those two people and I could have afforded it, but I didn't know that I needed them. And so it makes it really hard on the organizer when people wait until the last second or just show up because it makes it hard for us to plan ahead and make sure we have enough resources and staffing to do it. Crockett was a great example last year. So not 2020, not 2020, but 2019, we were expecting like, you know, a 200 person crowd and we didn't bring a ton of staff because I didn't honestly thought I was going to lose money going into the race. And so I was like, crap, you know, like, I don't know what to do. Like I, I don't have enough people or money to hire anyone and we're like understaffed. And so we went into it and then like 350 people showed up and I was like, well, crap, you know? And so we like didn't have enough people. We were like, you know, scrambling to get everything done. It was impossible to get, you know, produce results on time and stuff and get them right because we just didn't have enough people. And if I had known we were going to get 350, I would have brought another car full of people with me. And the same thing happened this past year too. Is like we were expecting like a 300, 400 person crowd, and we got over 500 both days. And mm-hmm. so we didn't bring enough people. <laughs> so <laughs> this year and next year, you know, I'll talk about that. What we're doing this coming year, but we're bringing more staff because we've been understaffed there the past two years, and it's been a problem. So, um, you yeah, know, the red thing is is a big deal, and I think if anything, the COVID stuff might really push the people who wait to actually register on time so yeah yeah Yeah, and and hopefully that'll reduce some of the costs because yeah i i mean i know you've got increased costs but you know things like you know late registration fees and things like that hopefully that'll um yeah that won't be an expense because you will be pre-registering and things of that nature um so there, there's some there's some positives I think to to some of the changes uh, too, um, but um, yeah. So I'm you know just looking here at uh, at the calendar a little bit. I was doing a search to see what you know what's going on in Texas, and it, it it's hard to there's not really a whole lot right now, um, and so I but I know you know your events are primarily in in Alabama and Georgia and what have you. So I'm wondering if you guys started up last month. I know here in Texas a few few events you know started last month as well, and now with the pullback in the state, you know some of them are are on hiatus again. Um, but what's um so what's that looking like for you guys going forward? Because um, I know some events were postponed, and so are those slowly getting rescheduled? Or are y'all looking at um, uh, a shortened calendar as as a result? No. Um, we've attempted to reschedule anything that we've been, you know we can. Um, I didn't have a lot going. I tried to keep my schedule lighter this year because you know we have our second baby's on the way due in September, oh, so I tried to not plan anything major for the second half of the year. Um, so I didn't have a lot, but my partner we had a lot of big races. Like we have the. I think it's the Pensacola Cycling Classic is a really big one for us in September. That one we're leaving as it is. I mean, it doesn't look like we're going to change it right now, but that's usually you know, a 300-plus person race. We're looking at keeping state championship races the same in Florida, and most of the rest of the calendar is the same. Um, we haven't really changed much, but we got really just crushed, like our company financially, with everything getting canceled because it – everything started getting shut down in march in between the closure of all the races like the permits like between i think it was march 20 something or in may i mean that was our peak season those were our biggest events and biggest contracts and biggest timing things that we had i mean we had one to two events almost every weekend from march through may and so when they pulled the plug on that stuff and all the events started getting canceled you know we lost a ton of revenue for our business and it's been a struggle to recover from it. And fortunately it's not my main job anymore. And like, that's not my sole income, but for my partner, I, you know, it's been a lot worse for them because that's their income and that's, you know, they, all of it just disappeared for over two months. And so 
it was just, you know, they're trying to plan, you know, and tour North Georgia was the first one back and just thankfully it was successful and financially successful. So like they were able to kind of, it was able to help recover a little bit, but still a lot of events are not coming back right now. And um, like a good one, a good example is like the Georgia games in Atlanta has been around for a long time. And I raced that when I was in like in college. So probably like nine or something. And um, that one got canceled uh, for this coming weekend. And so we were the timing company doing that one too. So it's a double whammy because now there's not, that event doesn't exist now for this year. And then, you know, our company loses a weekend uh, contract gig too. So it's like my, our company suffered and now the racing scene suffered. And it was a lot, it was just because people weren't pre-registering. They were there, they were probably gonna go, but they weren't pre-registering. So it was kind of like, I had to pull the plug because of it and it affects not only the racers, the organizers and you know our company too. So it's kind of a crappy situation, but that's just the situation we're in and we gotta kind of just keep plugging away and doing the events that we do have and just make sure that we're able to still do them and try to make them as successful as we can and um, produce a good, experience for people that do come so yeah so so speaking of um of upcoming events um i know you had mentioned that you you guys had um a few new or i guess a couple of new things that you were going to be trying uh, in, in a couple of races coming up and did did you want to talk a little bit about that what what those races are and what that um layout's going to look like in, in terms of the race experience yeah, so I'm super excited about this one. I've actually had this idea for a few years now, really since I went to Alkek Velodrome back in Houston, probably in like 2015 or something, 2014. Um, I always wondered, you know, track racing has so many cool formats of how track races are done at the Velodrome. And I was like, man, like, you know, crits are getting stale to a certain degree. A lot of people are getting tired of crits. They're like, oh, I've raced crits, you know, this crit a thousand times or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I knew that we needed to do something kind of refreshing and different. And I really wanted to combine some of that stuff that I saw at the track with road racing. And so um, a few, about a month ago or so, this is probably the the fastest I've ever come up with a race, by the way, and produced it. So (laughs) about a month ago or so, the, the county, Shelby County, which is a county just south of where I live in Birmingham, the uh, county tourism guy contacted me and was like, hey, like, is there anything y'all could do? Our, our hotels and our tourism stuff is really suffering because of all the COVID stuff being shut down. So he, he was like, hey, I'll, you know, I can help you get the venues and stuff if you can produce something later this summer. And so I was like, okay, well, I've been looking at these places. Like, can you get me a meeting with any of them? And so literally within like two weeks, we had these two new venues here with a five-race series coming together. And um, we're bringing back, bringing back Crit College. So I, I know that's uh, so the Houston Racers and stuff will remember that. And um, that's so for those who don't know what that pro- program was, it's the beginning racer program from USA Cycling. It's, it's, like, it's a five-part program designed to guide and uh, teach new racers like how to race and how to ride competitively and, and do it safely and be more successful than just you know, without any training at all. And, uh, you know, so many racers go into racing and things all just about the legs and the speed. But in reality, I mean, it's way more, in my opinion, about knowing what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And, um, you know, so we really want to teach that to people. And, you know, in Houston, it was really successful. I mean, we had about 30 to 40 people each year that we did it in Houston. And, um, a lot of the people from the program continued on to race pretty frequently. And, um, you know, they, some of them did pretty well. I think one or two of them are like cat twos now. I mean, you know, a lot of them were moved up the ranks pretty quickly and did really well. And it was really cool to see them like go from that class one year to being like finishing the top of like cat three races, like within the next year, year and a half, which, you know, they were just better at racing, you know, it's just taking this minor amount of instruction and teaching them. And it's just, it's a good program. And so we wanted to, I was trying to find a way to do that because Birmingham 
you know, a lot of the racers here have been racing forever. You know, there's a lot of guys who've been doing it for a long time and they're like, you know, they're just not really racing a ton anymore. We need to get a fresh crop of people doing it. And so I knew that doing a beginner program like that was going to be pretty critical if we want to like try to develop the scene here. So a lot of the series is really catering pretty heavily to the beginner racer and the new racer. And um, we have several different coaches and instructors and all that stuff. So an hour before each race, they have a different lesson focusing on a different topic. Uh, where they can learn all these different skills that help them race better. So um, I'm really looking forward to that. And then the format of the race. So this is the part that I love. Is So the first two races are what's called a point, a lap race on the track. So rather than it just being a crit where, you know, you can sit in the pack and then sprint for the finish and the winner wins, you know, like a traditional race, we made it like a track points race where, each lap, the first person across the line gets a point. And so they, they do as many laps as they can on the time and, and the, per, you know, the most points wins. And so it gets broken down by the points rather than the total finish. And so the finish line sprint will be weighted with a few extra points and we can throw in some few points creams for the shorter races so that people, you know, if not everyone can get in a lot of laps in, they still can get some points. But it, the first two races are like that, and it tactically makes it really interesting because, you know, if you have teammates, you want to send them up the road. Oh, and if, if, the, if someone laps the field, they win, the race is over. So um, that's pretty interesting, too. So like if you have teammates, it makes it really team-oriented. Like, you know, if you want to send your rider up the road, you want to block, you want to make sure that you're working together to bring like breakaways back because you can't just sit in for the sprint try to you know gun it for the sprint and so it's pretty much really tailors pretty heavily to team oriented activity and so i knew that would be different people are probably going to be like well i won the field sprint why didn't i win you know and so they're probably going to be confused by that and i know that it's going to be a a different process for a lot of people but I think overall, like, I just wanted to change it. Like, you know, I wanted to do something new and different and refreshing and just really, like, add to my knowledge, I have yet to see anything like what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure something might exist out there that I don't know of. But And if someone, I, you know, listening does know about it, please tell me because I'd love to see what they're doing and, and try to get some notes from it. But um, this, the third and fourth races are the one that, I'm really excited about and I've been trying to kind of spread the word about it because I talked I went to our local fast you know Tuesday Night Worlds last night and a lot of people know about the race but they don't really know what we're doing with the formats like they haven't read, read into it they're just like oh there's a race back. so um the third and fourth race is really cool so it's a scratch race like there's heats of scratch races and then, so the way it works is, the number, like, when it's everyone registers, we split the people from that field into two groups. And so each group races for 20 minutes, and then the top 50% of that group goes on to a final heat to race each other, and then the bottom 50% goes to another heat to race each other. So they race a first round, and then they go to a second round. And so the first and second place riders from the final heat go head to head in a one lap match sprint. So the first place from the winning heat and the first place from the, the loser heat will met, will face off one-on-one and then the second place and second place will face off one-on-one to round out our podium through fourth place. So, you know, tactically it gets really interesting because, you know, like in track, Sometimes people will have a, you know, they'll go slower in one of the time trials or something so that they can get matched in a better heat. And so, you know, tactically the teams will want to try to gauge like, okay, so we want to get one guy in this heat and another guy in this heat. So like how, where do we position ourselves in the first two races to make sure that we end up in the final heat together? And then, you know, how are we going to, so it gets really tactically, like they have to really think about it and how they're going to work together to try to, actually win and get into the right heats together and stuff so it's pretty interesting and um i think the one-on-one match sprint thing will be pretty fun um that's definitely different 
and then the last race is just a regular crit with um, point springs and stuff on it. So mm -hmm. um, overall, there's like an overall series individually for each category, and then there's one overall just total cumulative points for our teams. So you know, I don't, I'm just not going to regulate it at all. Like if one team comes with 10 people each race and they all pick up points, then they're going to win. So I'm trying to leave that just open and see what happens. But scoring wise, just FYI, it is like the most complicated, <laughs> like the way we're managing the series. We have, we've been making spreadsheets and all this stuff and using some of our Omnium systems that we have to score it. And um, it's definitely a challenge, which I like because you know, it pushes us to kind of do something new, innovate, get out of the box, learn a more complicated thing so that if something like this comes up in the future, we'll be able to do it. And, and so I just want to make sure, like, that we're learning and also trying to figure out new stuff with this. And so the racers are probably going to have to deal with some of the growing pains and learning pains of, like, trying to get some of it right. And mm -hmm. we're going to figure out weird little rules along the way that we're going to have to probably figure out for next time. But um, there's always one team or one rider that figures out a rule or a way to exploit what we're doing and win. So I'm sure there's going to be like one guy or one team that just like exploits the crap out of the way we set it up. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that works out this year. But it's really, it's pretty exciting to finally see and be able to do what I've been thinking of for like two or three years now. So um, yeah, that's, that sounds pretty neat. Um, it's um, so like the the one the one on one match sprint on on that track meets road week um is that like a drag race of, of, on one lap or is it like still multiple laps or cuz i you know i don't know a whole lot about about track so i'm just no oh, I, I sorry i thought you were a track guy i swear <laughs> i'd seen you out there at a few of those things my bad no i've i've watched i've watched a little bit of track racing uh, but I, I don't pretend to know what's going on. Maybe. Um, so the match sprint, so what they do when I did the match sprint, and I could, you know, some could be different, but I remember when I went to Alkek and did it, and I love this, by the way, was they, you do like a, I think it was a 1K time trial or some kind of time trial thing, and then they seed the match sprints based on your time. And so, like, some people would go, like, slower in the time trial part so that they could get seated against worse riders. I, I didn't know that, of course. <laughs> um, but this one's not really like that. So we're seating it based on their finish in the first two heats. So okay. it's really, like, we're going to line them up at the start-finish line and just, you know, blow the whistle, and they're going to go one lap, and, you know, we're going to take the winner of the lap. So they pretty much just just have to battle it out for a lap. They can go right from the gun. They can go really slow and do the whole uh, song and dance where they're like sizing each other up and do it that way. It doesn't matter. I don't care how they do it. But whoever wins the lap is getting the point. So, um, you know, it, it'll be kind of interesting to see how it plays out uh, for the riders. So uh, Nice, nice. And then the elimination crits. I think like the, um, the Red Bull series, does a similar setup, you know, in terms, and, and I've, and I think other, um, uh, like fixed gear, uh, crits, I think they've used that setup as well. So that, that makes that interesting where the last, last writer gets eliminated until you, know, it looks like it's specified so laps, so, but, but it's not, it's not like each lap somebody gets eliminated until you just get down to the one person. Right, or, well, it'll be challenging, though. I may have to not do that formatting mm -hmm. until we see what the field sizes will be, because if the field sizes are too small, we can't start eliminating people or else we'll run out of riders too quickly. So yeah. I have to kind of see what the numbers look like before the races and mm -hmm. maybe wait on the elimination one, because I don't want to start have people drive four hours to come to the race and eliminate them on the first lap, <laughs> right. you know, I think that probably wouldn't go very well. So I need to kind of feel that one out on the elimination side. What I could do as an alternative is maybe like subtract a point or something. So mm -hmm. if someone's sitting at the back or something, take a point away from their team or from them. Um, I'll have to see how that's going to work because it works really well in bigger field sizes and it actually is better because then you're, getting rid of the riders who are really ga <clears throat> getting pretty gassed. But, um, you know, I have to kind of see on that one. Is that, you know, I was thinking about that and we, I just have to see. But, 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, nice. I mean, it, it's, it's different uh, and um, sounds exciting. You know, I mean, I think it would be fun, you know, in terms of a, from a racer standpoint, but also from a spectator span- standpoint, um, it seems like that would, that would be a lot of fun to watch too. Um, and then of course the, quick the, college, uh, what's up? the HCC track would have been perfect for this, man. I wish we still had something like that going. The, this format would be like, that's what, when I had the idea for all of this was when mm-hmm. we were doing the HCC stuff. So that, that would have just been like the perfect thing to do it at. I wish I could get yeah. someone in Houston to go do that again. Yeah. Cause so. I mean that, that course was, um, it, I think it, it like barely met you know, depending on how you configured it, it barely met the, um, the, the, the course length requirement for a crit uh, or for a training crit. And, uh, but because of its size, it was like you could pretty much stand from anywhere there and, and watch what was going on. And, and, um, which made it neat to to see the action happening and what was going on. And, mm-hmm. um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like the, the crit college too. You know, I mean, I think back to, to when I started racing, I mean, I, I wish there had been a crit college for me to start, start with. Maybe I wouldn't have, uh, 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 gotten, gotten dropped on the first lap of my first race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, uh, but yeah, because I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's taken like, you know, uh, learning on kind of on my own, you know, over years to, to, till I felt comfortable and, you know, and I just kept, you know, fortunately I kept coming back and, and, um, you know, but it took a long time to, to learn the, the pieces I still am, am learning. Um, but I can see why it takes so long as, you know, for a pro, for example, to develop because, you know, um, you know, there's there's so much trial and error that that goes into racing. You know, I mean, it's like you said, it's not just about the speed. Um, you know, that's that's one part of it. You know, to you know, you have to be able to keep up and 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 recover and things like that. But learning how to recover, when to attack, and uh, you know, holding people's wheel, learning. You know, and some of it is just you know, I think racing over and over again. In, in a particular field, you get to know the people that you're racing against and who whose wheels you feel comfortable on, you know, who to follow and, um, you know, who might, who's probably likely to attack, things like that nature, you know, and learning your body, like the feeling of your, you know, do you feel good that day, you know, and, and what have you. So, yeah, there's so much that goes into it. But, um, well, the crit college is good because it takes, you know, 20, 30 years of people's experience and condenses it into five classes. And then mm-hmm. that way they can learn a bunch of that stuff and trial and error that from people who've been doing it for years and can be like, yeah, I don't do that. One thing I see the <laughs> most that like, that I, I just am like, you know, I wish we could just talk to this dude is, uh, and I did when I was a junior racing a lot is, you know, when to attack, you know, I remember when I was a junior, I would just attack all the time. Like when the group started slowing down or, you know, I was feeling good, I would attack and I, you know, it wasn't successful. And I look back on it and I'm like, man, if I had just like waited to the, the right moment to attack instead of burning all my matches and stupid times of the race, I probably would have been more successful. And so I like, I, I want to teach people all that kind of stuff is like, you know, you never attack when the group's just like going slow, hanging, you know, they're all just going to chase you down. So, <laughs> right. um, <laughs> want to you know kind of convey some of that stuff to everybody so yeah nice and that's the uh that's the central alabama summer crit series right so yeah we're just calling it casks and honestly i could not think of a name and i needed to do the permit and all that stuff and i was just like <laughs> whatever and i just like called it something i was like it's central alabama and it's the summer crit series so we'll just call it that so yeah uh, i just kind of went with that as a dumb name I'll, hopefully i can like rebrand it or something next year but yeah, yeah. Well, nice, nice. I mean, it, it sounds exciting, um, and um, you know, five week, a five week series is always good. You know, uh, get get people coming back. You know, it gives people multiple opportunities to to race the event, um, and, and then you know, the the different experiences too. Um, you know, will will give people I think you know different experiences. So it's it, it's not that you come week one. And you can choose, you know, necessarily, you know, I'm going to, 
like I already did it week one, you know, why am I going to come back week five? I mean, you've got different experiences to, to try out there um, in the different races. So, so yeah. So neat. Exactly. That's why I wanted to do it that <laughs> way. Cause I know summer, so many people out of town, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, I'm going to miss this one and I'll be here for this one. And so it's, it's better that I've planned it out that way. Cause now more people, even if they can only come to one, at least they can come to something rather than nothing at all. So yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. And then, um, so the first one, it looks like is actually this weekend on, uh, on the 11th and it's all on Saturdays. It runs from July 11th through August 29th. Um, and yeah, there's that... a few breaks in there. I think there's a, cause we had some races in Georgia and, and a state championship kind of mixed in there. So we had to mm -hmm. stagger the dates around so that we didn't overlap on our own races. So, um, they sort of had to do that, but I guess it'll work out because it gives kind of people a breather and, you know, and then, you know, they don't, they're not all in back to back to back where they're gone every Saturday morning, you know? So. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I gotta, I gotta utilize the, uh, the weekend passes sparingly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've, I've been out in that boat, you know, <laughs> so I understand, uh, I feel that a little more, um, now that I've have, you know, my daughter and stuff. So yeah. Yeah. What, when's number two due? You said September. September eighth is the due date. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right after ours. We have we have our third uh, due on September fifth. So, oh, <laughs> so, man, congratulations! Yeah. So they'll be like the same. Is it a girl? We're having a boy. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Another cool. boy. So, uh, yeah. So I'll have, I'll have two have boys and one boys girl. Now? No, uh, oh, one. Our oldest is a girl, and then um, we've got a boy, Gabriel, and then so now we'll have another another boy. So. So our daughter will remain the princess. She's already talked about uh, that she's uh, she's going to be the boss of the new baby too. She's like, I'm the boss because I'm the oldest, <laughs> and I'm like, technically, mom and I, and dad are, but uh, but all right. <laughs> so, hey, well, at least she's into like wanting to maybe babysit for you. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. I, I need I need her to uh, be into changing diapers, but <laughs> oh yeah, I know. <laughs> but, I was. I was, I can't wait till, you know, our daughter, well, ours are only two years apart, so it's going to be a long time before we get to maybe see any of that. But, um, you know, our niece is, she's seven now, so she's finally the age where she can like kind of watch him for us, you know, mm -hmm. uh, there's still incidents, but you know, she's old enough to where she can like kind of keep an eye on them and we don't have to like stand there the whole time. So right. It's, it's getting better. You know? Yeah. 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 It, it, it does. Yeah. So, um, but we're, yeah, we're, we're talking about it because, you know, um, I guess with, with COVID, it's like after starting in August, the, uh, the doctor wants, wants us to completely lock down, um, it, or I guess restrict more, you know, who, who we're seeing at that point before the delivery. So, so yeah, so the, the end of, but through the end of this month, it's like, you know, I've still been doing some like small group stuff, you know, with, with friends and stuff, um, in terms of writing. Uh, but yeah, in August, it's like, I'll, I'll probably just be doing solo rides at that point, uh, you know, to keep, keep within doctor's orders and what have you. And then, um, and then the baby will come and then we'll, we'll see what kind of, <laughs> if I'm able to get any miles in after that, uh, uh, the, with the first two, I was able to still get yeah, a little bit of writing in, uh, yeah, in on some of the mornings uh, during the week, at least short, shorter rides, you know, where I try to be gone no more than an hour or something. Mm -hmm. But, um, but now with, with three, we'll, we'll see <laughs> if that's, yeah, it might be a little overwhelming. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm wondering how it's going to be too. So I've been riding a lot more recently trying to get my riding in for the year and, you know, and I thought probably last time, I think it was about two months before I really got to go do any like real rides again stuff. I think I did mostly like, you know, stuff under an hour kind of around the house, neighborhood stuff. And, and then, uh, you know, so I just got to see how it is, you know, because it'll be the second one. It's different with one, you know, because right. now my wife, if I'm gone, she's watching the two year old and <laughs> a newborn, which is a different ball game. So, yeah. yeah. You know, well, good. Well, good, man. Well, um, I think we're, we're about out of time, um, for the morning, but, um, did, did you, are there, 
is there anything else that you want to share or promoters or I'm sorry, sponsors or anything that you want to, uh, um, uh, Crockett for next year. So, um, I'll briefly touch on that just because, uh, there's, you know, we're still in the process of doing everything. So we're changing some stuff up at Crockett, which should be pretty cool because we're doing, we're pretty much copying the format of tour of North Georgia because it was logistically easier than the way we did it at Crockett. And um, so kind of what we're looking at now doing is adding the Friday afternoon and evening crits for the elite one, two, three groups. Mm-hmm. And then so like people come in Friday night and that would be the downtown crit. And then on Saturday morning, we would have the shorter road races, you know, like under 50 miles on a loop course. And that's the new course we'd be adding. Um, we're kind of working out some of the details with it, you know, right now and trying to figure out where exactly is the best place to do it and, and how we're going to do that and everything. So I think we have to close down one of the state highways for some of it. So that's a little bit more of a challenge too. Um, and then we do the time trial, like the short TT on the afternoon, on that same afternoon. So it'd be short road race, time trial, and then Sunday would be the regular road race that we've been doing. And I think, um, you know, that might attract a couple more people because a lot of people seem more interested in the road races. And also, um, you know, for people traveling in, if they're wanting as much racing as possible for that time of year, they can get more points for upgrades. They can get more racing miles in, you know, and all that stuff. And then from the organizer's perspective, it's much easier. And in terms of scoring, you know, we had issues in the time trial the past couple of years. And so part of the challenge with that is that it's, you don't usually want to do your time trial first because if someone's chip isn't working or something, or there's an issue where they forget their chip, then their whole race is going to be challenging to figure out because their TT is incorrect. It messes up all their results. So one thing why we want to move the TT back is so that we can weed out any chips that aren't working and figure out any issues and make sure we have all the riders and all that stuff working 100%. And then going into the TT, we won't have any issues, and that should alleviate some of the the problems we have with scoring last two years on the scoring like almost every issue we found was because of chips like not working or something happening in the, in the initial tt start and it just screwed it up for a lot of people for the rest of the weekend and so we're trying we narrowed it into that particular problem and we're, that's one of the reasons we're changing it around so we can eliminate that issue so um pretty exciting now uh four stage format for some people three stages for the rest but i think that people clearly want the time trial and part of the uh the road race and so adding another road race and i think that might be the ticket so yeah yeah makes sense and and, uh around the same time frame or time frame as uh as last time like i think it was in february right yeah i know we've we've tossed around the idea of moving it and I just, I want to leave it where it is because where it is on the calendar, I think that's part of the reason why we get a big crowd there is it's so early that people want to get the early season race in. I know it's a gamble with the weather, but I really, you know, I feel like it's still going to be more successful if we leave it where it is. We we could move it, but then I'm going to be fighting other races. Yeah. Fighting, you know, April is... And from my time in Texas, it was pretty unpredictable in terms of weather. You know, you can have mm-hmm. these massive storms roll in and just <laughs> totally, you know, rain out your event right. in April. So I thought, you know, there's less chance of that happening in February. So yeah, yeah, it seems, it seems in. Fe- probably, so. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, in February, it seems you know it's the 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 cold is hit or miss. You know, I mean, sometimes it's bone chillingly cold and then you know, other times it's it's mild i mean it, this this year i think was was a better weather year for you guys wasn't it or yeah it was actually pretty nice i think the coldest it got was probably in the mid 50s or something well the, the first tt early morning that one was really cold i remember that and then the rest of the weekend was fine yeah that was one of the reasons we found out that the chips weren't working so we had most of our rental fleet of chips were um, the first generation of the uh, transponders from race result. 
and they told us later that they had a known issue with them not working below like 36 or 37 degrees or something and not reading correctly. And we figured out that every single one of the chips that we had a problem with was one of the first gen chips. Mm. And we were like, well, hey, you know, like we really had a lot of problems. We wish you maybe like told us about that or helped us get new chips. It was like, it was like, oh yeah, hey, we knew about this issue, but we didn't, we didn't say anything. So, yeah. <laughs> crap, you know, it's too late now. But we've replaced our entire rental fleet, and the new chips work below that temperature. So it's really cold. We're not going to see that. So. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. Well, cool. Well, exciting stuff ahead. I'm, I'm glad that um, yeah, there's, there's racing returning um, in various parts of the country. Um, yes. I'm looking forward to to a more stable calendar, you know. But we'll we'll see what this year brings. This this year has been just you know full of surprises. You know, I guess. Yeah, uh, and, um, and, I'm sure there will be some new restrictions and things going into next season too. So let's kind of play it, you know, take it when it comes and figure it out. So yeah, yeah. Well, good deal. Well, thanks again, Alex, and um, for you, for those of you guys listening. And gals, um, you can find more information about Alex's events at Top Views, Top Views, or I'm sorry, Top Views Sports dot com. As in adding an extra S there, so Top Views Sports dot com. And you've got information on on the Summer Crit Series in Alabama. You'll have information about the past, past and future Crockett racing as that comes available. Um, so, so yeah, so keep, keep an eye on uh, top few sports there. So, um, and again, as always, Alex, this, this has been great. Um, you know, wish, uh, you and your wife, uh, congratulations on the, on the new edition as well. And, and hopefully, uh, you'll be able to get some, some miles in still after the new one comes. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm hoping call. Um, yeah, I wish you all the best and, you know, I'm sure I'll see you. Hopefully, I'll see you at Crockett or when I come into. I'll be there in January for the Houston Marathon again. So maybe I'll run into you guys then. Oh, cool. Uh, cool. Yes. I appreciate you letting me come back on the podcast and kind of yeah. talk about race promotion stuff. Sure, <laughs> so. sure. Any Anytime. Anytime. All right. There it is. One more time in case you did not catch it. Check topviewsports.com for more information on the Central Alabama Summer Crit Series, Tour of North Georgia, the Davy Crockett Classic, and other Top View events. And as for this podcast, be sure to click subscribe, like the page on Facebook, or if you have something to promote or even a comment, email me at dropbartx at gmail.com. And until next time, have fun, enjoy the sun, or just rule five it. Stay COVID safe.